0: Welcome to the Legacy House podcast. Our mission as a church is to equip people to know God, live free, and find purpose. We express the mission of our church through adoration, biblical teaching, creativity, and discipleship. We have prepared this message for you, and we know God is going to use it to minister to you wherever you are and in whatever situation you're going through. Matthew chapter 25 is where we're going to go today, and, and I'm excited about 2017. I really, you know, I, I feel like that this year for us uh, as, as people uh, possesses so much potential that it's going to be amazing. Uh, I, I can feel it I, almost even in just kind of last night as we drove home and just once we got home and even this morning, it's just you can already sense what the Lord is trying to do. Uh, and often what the Lord tries to do is preceded by resistance. Uh, and that any time that we begin to get close to a breakthrough that God has for us, we often walk through a season of resistance before we get there. You can look at out throughout the entire Bible. You can see it with Jesus where he spent 40 days in the wilderness. Uh, you can look at different people, Moses, all these different people, Abraham, who who had a season in their life of walking through the resistance to get to the place that God had for them. Uh, And and, and it's it's interesting because when you shift seasons and you shift gears like we are right now, uh, just naturally on the calendar, but then even spiritually as a church, we have more than just a responsibility, but we really have a call um, a, a call to be the ones who don't just um, show up but really invest. We said a couple weeks ago that really, uh, the more I, I study and learn the Bible, what I find and what I realize is that really what God has called me to is not to be the person who stands on the stage that gives the message that gets you through the week until next Sunday. But really, I've been the, been called to be the person who equips you to begin the work on Monday. Always, often to, uh I was talking to a young guy before the service started, and I said, "You know, it's interesting." I said because we always often talk about rest, and I'm not a I'm not a super I'm not I don't have a lot of compassion in regards to burnout, and this is why. Before you think I'm not a compassionate guy, is that I've been in youth ministry for for. I was in youth ministry for a decade. And and one of the things that happened in youth ministry was I had a lot of 17 year olds and 18 year olds tell me they were burnout. I was like, that is physically impossible. You're like, I just, I can't, the weight of this. It's like, no. Uh, it, it's, it's, you actually, maybe for the first time in your life, are now having to carry responsibility. Uh, and everybody wants authority, but nobody wants responsibility. Because the difference between authority and responsibility is accountability. I'm dropping nuggets right now. Uh, but like, <laughs> that's the difference. The difference is because everybody wants, everybody. Everybody wants the authority. Like, hey, give me the title, put it on the business card. I should have a little thing that rolls out on the screen uh, when I come up. Like, everybody wants that moment, um, but we often don't want the responsibility. And the difference, the connection between the two is accountability. It's living a life that where somebody can walk up to you and say, hey, how are you doing with your responsibilities? Because you have been given authority, how is your responsibilities coming along? That is what accountability is. And I, I, I had a lot of conversations with 17-year-olds who were burnt out. And I was like, mm, that's physically impossible. And they just said, I just, I need rest. And I, and I said, there's a big difference. And this is the thing I was referencing a few minutes ago, not all of that. But we were standing off to the side uh, this morning. And I said, you know, there's a big difference between resting from ministry and resting for ministry. There's a big difference. You need to hear that. There's a big difference between resting from ministry and resting for ministry. If you ever hear it come out of your mouth, I just need to take a break from ministry. Theologically, you're incorrect. Why? Because God has called you to be a minister. So what you're saying is, I need to take a break from myself, which is not possible. You are you every single morning that you wake up. Some of you wish you could take a break from yourself. I get it. I'm one of those people like, geez, I just need a break from me. Uh, but guess what? I wake up the next day and I'm still there with me uh, every single day. So what happens is is we can say, look, I just need a break from ministry. It's, it's, it's a physical impossibility. What you do is, is that you don't get to separate yourself from it as a believer. It is who you are. So it is either something that we're doing or it's a responsibility that we're shirking. So either either our field is being farmed or our field is being consumed with weeds. And this is a really weak kind of, like maybe, I don't know what it is for 2017, uh, but it's 2017, so we're just going to go for it. What you find there is is you find that we all have a responsibility. We all have a farm to field. I love looking at it in that principle. Every single one of you probably have a front yard unless you live in an apartment and you've got a front porch with maybe like one pot of plant that's like kind of halfway dead, kind of not. Um, but we everybody has their own front yard and it's not my responsibility to cut my neighbor's front yard, nor is it his responsibility to cut mine. It sure would be a blessing if he did every now and then, uh, but it's not his responsibility to. Why? Because it has been given to me. And in the same way in this year, I hope that we can all understand and land on what it is, what it means to have the responsibility that God has given us. We could see God move in might and power in our lives if we would just become accountable for the authority and responsibility that we've been given. Matthew chapter 25 begins to talk a little bit about this. Look down in verse 14. That's so we're going to pick up. and Jesus is teaching here a series of parables. And he goes on and he, he gives them different things. And he says, look, you know, he, he kind of is, is laying it all out there in front of them and kind of teaching different concepts around what it means to be a steward and a servant and uh, a, a lot of different things. You can get down all the way to verse 14 and Jesus begins to teach this parable of the three servants. And I'm going to pick up reading there. And it says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and he entrusted money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing them in proportionation to their abilities. And then he left for his trip. Verse 16, it says, the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and he earned five more. The servant with the two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. It says, but the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money crazy, right? Like here are these three guys and the master gives them the money based on their ability. Some of us would have gotten offended right there. Like, let's be honest. Like, if you're the guy with five, you're not getting offended. And all of us love to think that we'd be the guy with five in this story. Like, I'm definitely the five bags of silver type of person. But what happens here is you have these three servants lined up. And the master doesn't give to them based on their tenure, uh, based on how long they've been with him, uh, based on seniority. He says that he just gives them the bag of silver based on their ability. See, ability is tricky because ability is invisible. I can't really, I can kind of see your ability, but I can't really see your ability because you are the only one who really knows at the end of the day how much you're giving it. Like, are you really, when you say, God, I'm I'm gonna give you my best. Lord, I've seen you move the mountains. I'm gonna see you move them again. Have you, though? Like, do you say that statement with actual faith? Or is it just a sing-along? Like, should we have, like, the ball that, like, bounces on the words on the screen? Remember those, like, when you're a kid? And it's like, I've seen you move. Like, that's like what we see. Like, yes, amen. Like, and it's just a glorified Christian sing-along, which none of us want to be at. What we want it to be is that we want it to be an expression from who we actually are. From really the source and the substance of our own life. We're starting this series today. That we're referring to as our just our the series is called Woke. And what we really are talking about all month long is really as believers, as Christians, as human beings, becoming alive to the word that God has placed inside of us. Really waking up to the word. Waking up to what does the Bible say about it? I met with somebody a couple weeks, uh, a couple weeks ago, um, last week, and we were sitting down and we were, we were having some coffee and stuff, and and they're they they throwing out some different scenarios to me. And every single time, I think I began to annoy them. It was totally not intentional. If you're here today, I love you. But I just kept referring back to the fact, I was like, well, let's go to see what the Bible says. This is what the Bible says. They throw out something else. Okay, well, this is what the Bible says. Because in our lives as believers, the governing body of who we are is the word of God. The, the, the sole governing principle of our life is this word. Hey, Katie, could you hand me that, um, that devotional there real quick? And we're going to show these really fast to you. If you're listening online or to a podcast, you can go uh, to our www.legacyhouse.life and you can download this 31-day devotional or you can pick it up next week at a service. Thank you uh, for listening and tuning in. Uh, live from Legacy House. Anyways, now those, to those of you who are in the room, um, we have one of these for every family as you leave today. If you're single, um, you don't get one. Just <laughs> wait. Uh, but uh, we have one for you as well. Uh, we're doing an Adopt a family for all young adults in here today. But uh, our, our team, by team I mean Bethany, <laughs> created the design uh, for this, this devotional. And we have various people inside of our own body who wrote a devotional in here. Uh, and it's awesome. It's 31 days. Uh, it's just uh, kind of on a little flip card for you. Uh, it kind of breaks it down for you. Week one is going to be prayer. Week two is fasting. Week three is promises. Week four is covenant. And week five is application. Uh, and in week five, that last week, that Sunday of that last week, we're actually, that's going to be the Sunday that our uh, another round of mailers go out into the city. And so what we're going to do is during that week, we're going to practically kind of empower us as a body uh, to go out and to invite people, uh, friends that you have, Workers that you have to be with us that following Sunday so that we can see the application what we've been praying for put into action. So it's just 31 days, it's real cool. Uh, uh, they did a great job uh, laying it all out for you, it's going to be awesome. So it talks a little bit about prayer, and then each day, uh, today's was actually written by Bethany, it has a little verse for you a quick devotional thought, reflection in a prayer every single day. We had I don't know, 15 or 20 different people inside of the church who wrote a devotional for our Woke series. So you're going to want to make sure that you grab one of these on the way out because invisible is what we're about. Like this is, I, I, tangibly, like it's hard, like we said, is invisible. Sometimes vision is invisible. But when vision becomes tangible, it's like, yeah, yes, like this is it. Why? Because I believe, as, long, as so does Bethany, that we have a responsibility to empower you as a believer. The greatest greatest excuse that you can ever use is that, well, I didn't know. I didn't know. The Bible says that we're not responsible for the things that we don't know, that you're not going to be held accountable for the things that you don't know. So what do I get the opportunity to do as a pastor? I get the opportunity to tell you about it all so that you can't use that excuse anymore. Uh, (laughs) uh, So we have these for you. We want you to grab one of these on the way out and follow along with us. We'd encourage you to post something on social media. You can just use the hashtag woke series, and it's going to be awesome. I have a lot of stuff going out this week. But Matthew chapter 25, it begins to tell us this story. And there's a couple things that I see from this that I I want us to kind of land on today because I believe it's important for us. And as we really, we talk about prayer, um, this might be a little bit of a different talk about prayer, but I believe that when you talk about prayer, really what you're talking about is you're talking about expectation. You're praying for something that you're expecting to come to pass. If you didn't want it to come to pass, you probably wouldn't pray it. But you pray with expectation. I believe there was probably a lot of nights uh, for Travis and Ashley that they prayed before the Lord and said, God, you've got to move in our situation. You've got to to move. Lord, we need a miracle. We need your your hand. We need whatever we need. Lord, we need it. And every single one of us have prayed those prayers before. But what happens is, is that when we pray, there's something inside of us that we begin to expect God to move. Why? Because I, I, I called out to you, I did what your word said, so Lord, now I'm going to give you some room to move. Now, I believe that from this story we can see three different things. And they're not just specifically these three characters, but I believe we see three different things that can happen um, that when we begin to expect. Because we have a responsibility not just to talk about the Lord and talk about the word, but we have a responsibility To really understand who and what God has called us to be. So, today I've got these three things. And the first one is this, and and they all kind of start with this what to expect when. uh, And you've seen that that book before, like the the pregnancy book, What to Expect When You're Expecting. Uh, And so, we're going to kind of talk a little bit around that idea. And the first one is this what to expect when you're protecting. What to expect when you're protecting. Here's the three guys, right, and they all get the different silver. Get the five bags, two bags, one bags. All based on the ability. Somebody's offended. Number two and number one, definitely number one, is offended. Why? Because this is ability. This is based on the, the invisible. He just doesn't like me. I should have stayed at the other church I used to go to because that guy actually liked me. He saw me as a five-bag individual. Uh, but guess what? Uh, you might not be, and sometimes it takes a good leader to show you where you really are. One amen. Praise. I was like, I had mentally thought right before I said that, ain't a soul gonna say a thing in this room after this next statement. But it's the truth. And sometimes we need somebody to look us dead in the eye and say, Guess what? You're two bags. You're great. I love you. You got a lot of potential, but you are a two bag individual. You you're you're good, but you're in process. And it's interesting because for us today, I believe that we have a responsibility. And we begin to look at the scripture. We begin to study the scripture. What we find is that we find that the one guy begins to take this thing and he buries it. He buries it. He's given one bag of silver and he responds differently than the other two. And what happens was, what happens when you move from a place of expectation? What happens when all of a sudden you begin to protect rather than to expect? What happens when all of a sudden in your life, what you do is you begin to hold on with everything inside of you, like white knuckle in that one bag of silver, because the last thing that you would want to do is to lose what you have. Really, see, that's what tells me about the third guy here. He was not just, he wasn't a bad guy. He wasn't wasn't, uh, some sort of horrible individual. The problem was is that he was controlled by fear. Fear dominated and manipulated his entire life. So what he was left with was as soon as he was given something from the master, as soon as he was given some responsibility. See, because he already had authority as a servant. He already had a place. But now he's been given a responsibility. Something has been placed inside of his hands. And what he did was, unlike any of the other guys, he took it. The Bible says that he dug a hole in the ground and he buried it. Because he said, I would rather have something than have nothing. I would rather protect what I've got than lose everything that I am. So for us as believers, what can we expect when we're protecting? We can really expect that nothing in our life will grow. They say that the best offense is good defense. Best offense really is offense. Offense. Because if, if you outgun them with offense, just play defense all day long. I, I don't, the Bible says the kingdom of God suffereth violence, but the violence play, but the violence, but I'm hanging. pause bring it back 2017. It's the first mistake i made all year. Uh, <laughs> just kidding, unfortunately. Um, the kingdom of God suffereth violence, but the violent take it by force. Isn't it interesting that it doesn't say the kingdom of God suffereth violence, but the meek play really good defense. <laughs> no, it doesn't say that. Uh, it, it doesn't say that at all. It doesn't say the kingdom of God suffereth violence, but the violent, they play a great cover two, and you are never in a million years going to score on them. No, it doesn't say that at all. It says the kingdom of God suffereth violence, but the violent take it by force. It's against the nature of the kingdom for you to be protective. That is a true, 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 true statement. Why? Because what you have isn't yours anyways. So what are you protecting? You're protecting something that doesn't even belong to you. You're protecting something. You're guarding something that wasn't even yours in the first place. It's on loan as it is. And so what you find here is you find this guy that he thinks, I know what the master would want. The master just wants me to have something. He's not worried about what happens with what I have. He just wants me to have something. So it would be better for me, I'm going to dig the hole, I'm going to bury it in the ground, I'm going to cover it up. He's going to come back at some point in time, and at least I'll have something. But it's interesting because that's not the master's response at all. Look down a little bit further in verse 21. In verse, let's start in verse 19. This is the servant who had been entrusted with five bags of silver came forward with five more. He said, Master, he said, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I earned five more. The master was full of praise. He said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling a small amount. Now I will give you many more responsibilities. Isn't it interesting that what looked like blessing was really the opportunity and a responsibility? What looked like like a merit badge or like a gold star that like the guy with one bag could have just hung up on his wall and said, "Hey, I did it. I got a gold star." No, it was a responsibility. It was, "Hey, look, I've given you this, and if you get, if you take this." He didn't say, "I'll give you more silver." He said, "I'll increase your responsibility." Let's continue down a little bit further. This is master's full of praise. Blah blah blah. blah. This says, "Let's celebrate together." Verse twenty-two. It says, then the servant who received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, he said, you gave me two more bags of silver to vest. I have earned two more. And the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling the small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Verse 24. It says, the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops that you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. That is a risky thing for a servant to say. Here's the guy saying, hey, look, um, I know you're a really harsh guy. Like, you're really kind of a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> it's essentially what he's saying. He said, look, and I, I know that um, you harvest crops that you didn't plant. You gather crops that you didn't cultivate. you getting credit. saying, look, you didn't actually do the work. And, and you somehow are getting credit for the work. And, you know, I, 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 I've seen you get frustrated before. You know that one guy, remember that guy Jeff? Like, 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 It's kind of like the story that the servant's telling. He's like, remember Jeff, you know the guy with the tractor? Like he ran, no. Like he's he's insinuating to the fact that he's seen the master's frustration before. He says, look, I know you're a harsh guy and um, I thought it was better instead of losing it all to protect the thing that I had. Master said, he said, look, he said, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Verse 28 says, Then he ordered, Take the money from the servant, give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from them who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. I won't even read verse 30 to you because it's just going to ruin your day. This is amazing. It's amazing because here's what we're talking about. We're talking about responsibility. We're talking about responsibility. And the master says, hey, um, I'm going to give each one of you based on your abilities. And we're going to see what you do with what you have. And they all go on and they double what they had been given, except this one guy because he was full of excuses because he had already labeled himself as the victim. He had already taken on the role as the victim. Look, I'm not going to win. This guy, he's a harsh leader. I'm just, I'm just lowly on me. I'm just trying to survive out here. Love Jesus. Like, I just don't want to be yelled at. And I just, man, I just, I, I, I'm going to keep what I got. And when you want it back, I'll just give it back to you. And the master says, man, you missed the whole point altogether. What can we expect when we're protecting? When we live with a protective mindset, all that we do is we continue to operate out of fear. We continue to operate out of this place of isolation that says, if I, if I step out, if I try, if I fail, I, 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 they, they're going to get angry. They're going to get mad. God's not going to give me another shot. Look, this is an environment where it is okay for you to fail. One of the greatest things I ever had a leader tell me was, he said, Curtis, I would rather you like swing for the fence with an event or with a service or with an outreach and utterly fail and no one show up than for you to stand on the sideline and do nothing. It is okay for you to fail. It's okay. Because guess what? We all fall sometimes. We all have some really, really great ideas. In our brain, this makes a lot of sense. I've told it before. I was a youth pastor at Kingsway way back in the day. James was there that night. We did. We it was the winter time. We wanted to have a Christmas party, and so I was like, "Man, we can't get snow because it's Florida." And I was like, "You know what we'll do? We'll buy a boatload of like gigantic bags of flour from Sam's. That's like that's like snow, right? Yeah, definitely." And uh, so, and so this conversation with myself because I was the smartest guy I knew, and uh, and so and so we're sitting there and I was like okay we'll use flour and then I was like, what we'll do is is we'll cover people in flour and then we'll use water balloons to get the flour like off of them I wasn't super good at baking and so I wasn't really familiar with the concept of water and flour coming together I just like washed it away that's not side note it's not what happens and uh uh, and so we were back in the warehouse side of the, the building over on 29, and, and I mean, pounds, LBS of flour every, everywhere, and we were dumping bags all over the place like it was just going to wash it, like we were going to just wipe it up. I mean, we probably put, no joke, 40 pounds of flour in that room. <laughs> it's safe to say, right? The whole floor was almost covered. So we start throwing water balloons. Stuff starts turning into a paste. and I'm like, hmm, this isn't going like I (laughs) planned it to go. And then when you have, you know, however many teenagers there were, uh, then what happens is they all start getting in it, and then they start running around the entire church. And so then there's flour caked around the entire church. It was just one of those nights you had a bad idea. You know, you're like, like this is, you know, I patted myself on the back for a 2nd like, man, you love teens, man. You are, you are investing in the next generation. But that was the dumbest thing that you've ever done. And we all have those moments, but guess what? You know what? Sometimes we need to step out and try something and it not go like we planned so that we can actually learn something from it. I sat down across the table from a young guy one time. He got let go from a church that we worked at. And, and I said, look, I said, here's the worst thing that you could do. The worst thing that you could do is walk away from the situation and not learn anything. You know what, what happened to you? Not your fault. Like not, it just, but what? the worst thing that you could do is just walk away and be bitter and not walk away and learn. This is a safe environment for you to fail. I would rather you go after God so intensely that sometimes you miss it rather than being the person who stands over off the sideline and says, you know what, one day I'm going to go for God. One day I'm gonna, I, I am going to just give it everything that I have. 2018 is my year. No, no, no. Folks, it's day one, 2017, like let's go after God today. Let's go after God today. The second thing that you see there is, so you have what to expect when you're protecting. The second thing is what to expect when you're collecting. Collecting. It's interesting because really this isn't represented here in this text, but it's true in the life of the believer that a lot of times what can happen is is that we can begin to not just be people who protect where we're fearful or afraid of what's going to happen, but we can be the type of believers who just collect. We just store up knowledge for ourselves, treasures for ourselves here on this earth, inside of our mind, inside of our heart, and we just collect things. I told you my grandmother, she was a collector. She collected all kinds of things. Uh, And it's crazy because when people are collectors, They're collectors. And what happens is spiritually, we can become collectors, where we just kind of hoard things to ourselves. Often, the difference between collecting and hoarding is just organization. Really, that's, that's really the only difference uh, between the two. So, you're like, no, I just, I'm a pack rat. <laughs> that's, that's really cute for hoarder. Uh, like, that's really all that that is. But what happens is, is that the difference between the two is often organization. And what happens in our lives as believers is that we can be the type of people who just want to collect knowledge, information, relationships, responsibility, but yet we do nothing with it. I saw this television show the other day of this guy out in Nevada who has. Homes and homes and homes full of just all kinds of random collectibles. And he's going bankrupt. He has no money. He's up to his eyeballs in debt, but he refuses to sell any of it. He could easily get out of debt and have money in the bank if he just sold what he had. But he refused to sell any of it. He wants to hold it and collect it for himself because one day, maybe he'll need it. One day, if the weather's right and he's got on his right socks or whatever it might be, then at that moment, he might actually need the thing that he's collecting and holding on to. But the reality is is that we can begin to just get so much of a mindset where we just collect and collect and collect and collect and collect that we look around and we have a stockpile full of stuff and no one to actually share it with. I love that everything that Jesus was, he gave away. Everything that he was. His time, his resources, his energy, the money that he had, the food that he had, he gave it gave it all away. We had an opportunity as a church last Saturday uh, on Christmas Eve to get together and, and really just go out and serve and love on our community. I'm believing for God to do some ridiculous things this year, like stupid things, like things that don't make sense to where we are in the l- longevity of our church. Like, I, I'm just believing for God to open massive doors. And I believe that it happens through being people who are willing to step out, who are willing to just give to those who can give nothing back to you. Because that is who we have been called to be as a church. Not We haven't been called to collect things for ourselves, but we've been called to give everything away. I hope that in our lives as believers, we're known as those who give it all away. Give it all away. Like, literally give it all away. Like, what do you mean by all? You mean like 10%? No, I mean literally it all. Like, what, how, how can we outgive God? How can we, how can we serve our city too much? How, how can we love those who need Jesus in this city too much? How can we help you understand who God has called you to be too much? What happens is is the trap that we can fall into is where we begin to get in this place that we collect everything for ourselves. It's kind of like doomsday preppers where everything is, we've got all these stockpiles set aside so that in case everything hits the fan, I can take care of myself. I hope that I can live a life like Jesus lived where he said, you know what, if everything hits the fan, I hope that you have what you need. I hope that you've received, I hope that I've taught you, I hope that you've gained everything that you need for this life and the godliness that I've called you to. What can we expect when we protect? We can expect to have a whole lot of stuff and no impact. We can have a lot of great things that we can point to, memories, moments, experiences, conferences, podcasts, sermons, uh, 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 things for ourself that have soothed ourself. But God is calling us to something bigger than that. We've said it from the very beginning as a church. We have a responsibility. We were talking about the other day in the car. And I said, you know, I said, every church starts the same way. Every church starts with the same mission. We want to reach people who are far from God and you want to love and see your city change. There is not a church on this planet who has not started with that being a mission that they've had in their mind. So what has separated those who did from those who don't? Execution. And not only execution, but a dedication and a commitment to the vision. It says, look, if I go broke, this is who we're going to be. And guess what? I've experienced some things sometimes where maybe you're not the person who's in charge and you have people over you who are guiding and directing how that vision is executed through in your life. I can promise you this. If God, leave, if God closes one season, he is faithful to bring you into the season that where the thing that he planned for you then can be redeemed now. The thing he had for you there, he's not gonna let it fail because somebody else didn't get behind what God was calling you to. You know how many meetings I've sat in throughout the years as a staff member or a department head in churches telling them, hey, look, we, what if we bought this truck? Like, go with me on this, guys. And like, they're were like, nah, I don't think so. Uh, but here's what happens is it was a dream that God has placed in my heart, and it might not have been for that season, and it might not have been for that season, but it is for this season. Don't sleep on the dream that God has placed in your heart. Just because it didn't happen then doesn't mean that God's not going to bring it to pass now. The worst thing that you could do is just to hold up inside of your spiritual bunker trying to protect the remnants of what you have and the dream that you have. Shake off the bitterness that you've been carrying in this last year or in the years to come. Look, some people will do you wrong. Some really great people will do you wrong. And I don't understand how that works. I don't know what will happen when they stand before God on judgment. But what I know at the end of the day is, is they are not the author and perfecter of my faith. God is the author and the perfecter of my faith. So the vision that he had for me then, he will bring me to a place so that it can be redeemed now. I'm glad that this is a church made up of a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds. Why? Because I believe that in this season, in this house, we are committed and dedicated to what the Bible teaches, that you have a dream, a call, a purpose inside of your life and there is a place for it inside of this house. The only difference is, is whether or not is the issue and has the issue been where you were or who you are? The issue is not, sometimes the issue isn't where we are and the lights and the denomination or the whatever it might be. The issue often in our lives is that we think that it's all of this when really it's us sitting up in a room full of collectibles, admiring all of our things and our knickknacks and our whos and its or whatever the little mermaid says. Like, we have all these great things that we've been collecting, but really we're not doing anything with them. God didn't die on the cross so that you could start a really great collection of religious antiquities. God didn't die on the cross so that you could, you could just create a collection of really great dreams and visions and ideas. God died on the cross so that the fullness of who you are could be manifesting in your life. So the last thing in closing with this, but the last thing is this. So what do we expect when we are expecting? What what, what do we expect? What, what what do you expect when you're expecting? See, because what happens is when we move and operate out of a place of protection, where we're hiding, we're gathering, we're holding on to the one bag, we can get stale, we can get stagnant, we can get fearful. But when we begin to live out of an expectant life and heart, what happens is that fear begins to transform itself into faith. Expectation is simply that, it's faith. It's the belief that God can still do what God said he was going to do. It's the belief that things like this, a devotional, matters. I'm, I'm telling people this only because it keeps me accountable because if I don't tell anybody, then I'll be like, no, I'll change my mind. Um, I'm, so one of the things I'm going to try to do this month is I'm going to try to read through the entire Bible in 30 days. Um, so Godspeed on that one. Uh, but I'm going to try to read through the entire Bible in 30 days because we've committed as a couple, far, not as the pastors of Legacy House, but first of all as a couple, that we don't want 2017 to be like 2016. We want some, we want some tangible breakthrough. I, I want to see God, like I said, do some ridiculous things. I, I mean, like, like stupid things that don't make any sense. We were somewhere the other day, and a guy told me, he said, can I just, I feel like I need to walk you around this building and show you this building. I said, okay. So we walked around the building and showed him the building, and he said, you know, he said, you need to, he said, just let me know what, what I can do for you. I said, man, I said, it doesn't sound like, you know, I need to let you know what you can do for me. It it sounds like, what do I need? What can I do for you? And it's just opportunities that God is like, you just see God's hand, like the potential of God's hand in all of these places. And who knows what he'll actually do, but I do know that what he's going to do is going to be amazing. I believe it's going to blow our mind. I I was telling Bethany the other day, it's funny to think about, like Travis Nashley, a great example of that of the mailer. And then there's so many others who you're here because of a mailer. A, a, A goofy piece of paper but I believe something about it can redeem and anoint very common and ordinary things. There's just something about it. Everybody, I, that's what everybody said. It's just, just, there's just something about it. that something is the anointing that God is placing on this house. I believe that we have a responsibility as a church to not just be people of, uh, uh, of protection or not to be people who just collect everything that God has called us to, but really to be people who are in expectation of what God is going to do in this year. This coming um, Thursday night, where we're we going to gather. Our, our band typically rehearses in here on Thursday nights, um, getting ready for Sunday. And we want to just invite uh, any or as many of you that would come. We're going to take a little time and, and spend it in prayer this Thursday night. Uh, we're gonna, we'll provide some food uh, for you. And we just want to come together as a church and pray. This week's emphasis is prayer. And like we said, prayer really is expectation. It is, it is speaking to God with purpose and faith, believing God. I know that you'll move on my behalf. The band's going to come out, and, uh, and we're, going to, we're going to close this today. But I just want to encourage you. I, you know, I don't, I don't know what, like I said, I don't know what the years look like for you. Um, and, and I don't know what you're dreaming and hoping for today for 2017. But what I do know is, is that there is no dream that you have currently inside of your heart that is too large for God to do. You know, it's interesting because out of all these talents, the guy who was stuck over there protecting his stuff and he was holding on to this one thing, the master comes along and basically he says, You don't know me. You don't know me. You thought you knew me, but you don't know me. And he says, Look, here's what I'm going to do I'm going to take the one thing that you had that you desperately tried to hang on to with everything inside of you. I'm going to take the one thing that you have and I'm going to give it to the person who is already using it. I don't want that to be me in 2017. I can't speak for you, but I don't want to be the guy who looks up and I spent all of my time, energy, and effort trying to protect this one thing. I don't want to wake up every day trying to protect Legacy House and just maintain and keep Legacy House. That we don't, as a church, operate with such faith and expectancy that says, God, I believe that you can do crazy things. We fed nearly 90 homeless people uh, this last Saturday. We fed over 100 people uh, for, we handed out 100 bags of uh, heart to table bags. And it was crazy because what happens is we see these moments where already as a young church, we fed hundreds of people through sacrificial giving on your behalf. There's no way God doesn't move in power and might if we continue to live in a place of expectancy. Let us be the type of people that is willing to go from authority to responsibility. That understands that what God wants to put in your hand is not just blessing for blessing's sake. It's not just so that your cup can be full and running over so you can stand back and point at your cup and be like, "Whoa, my cup is full and running over. No, it's that we could live a life where we just spend our entire time trying to pour that cup out. And as quick as we pour it out, God fills it back up again. I've committed myself that in 2017, I'm not even going to like, I believe God is going to so miraculously increase and expand the reach of this house that I think it is going to be unlike anything we've ever seen. I believe God is going to grow us every single way and in every single area, but I believe the very first area and way he wants to grow us is personally. Jesus didn't come and die on the cross for the local church. Go with me on this. He came and died on the cross for you. And then he told you, forsake not the assembly of the saints. This is important. Relationship community is important. It's it's vital to who you are. First of all, he came for you. This month, we're starting off with 31 days of committing ourselves to waking up to the things that God says about us, who we are, what he's calling us to. Can we just stand all across this room? And Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. You can find more info and resources from Legacy House on our website, www.legacyhouse.life, or by following us on social media under the handle at Legacy House FL. Don't miss next week's podcast, From Our House to Yours.